Welcome to the Beyond Transcripts podcast. I'm your host, Holly. And I'm your co-host, Melody. And we're going to be talking today about teaching multi-age kids in a homeschool setting. But first, Melody, what have you been up to since the last time we were hanging out? I've been spring cleaning. I um, had a closet I wanted to clear out. I was looking for some teaching materials that a friend of mine needed, and it just started a whole deep clean, spring clean, organizing um, whirlwind at my house. Oh, yeah. I I hate when that one thing, you realize you got to do a whole bunch of stuff, and then all of a sudden, you've got a project laid all across your whole room, and you can't even go to bed that night till you finish it. Right. But it's been good. I found things that I kind of forgot that I had and things I could pass on and um, it was a good change or it still is it's ongoing it's still (laughs) spread out in my dining room I just moved it from the bed to the (laughs) dining room table so I could you know get to it the next day but I don't think it's going to take long and it'll save me time later that's the thing oh my gosh so um, I have to do the same thing here we've got so much clutter and I saw a quote recently and I think I sent it to you about, um, you know, organization was really just managing clutter and what you need to do is get the clutter out. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, gosh, I'm embarrassed that I've got so much clutter. In fact, my Christmas tree is in my dining room because I didn't even get the ornaments off of it until the day before yesterday. And now I got to oh. fold up that tree and put it away. My life has been crazy and I need to have less crazy busy really busy but when you get those kind of things checked off your list you feel so good yes and you're ready to do the next thing yes and i feel like i should admit that my christmas tree was up until recently to make other people (laughs) feel better about the stuff that they are uh you know having had put off and and needing to finish doing so um all you that didn't get your tree down until late you probably did it earlier than i did it's (laughs) fine it's fine yeah i think it's fine well um So I think we're going to go ahead and and delve into our topic today, which is when you're homeschooling and you have kids of different ages and different grade levels, how can you be kinder to yourself and be more efficient? Um, Because I I know I don't have, you know, 12 hours in the day, so I can spend one-on-one time with each student. Um, And at the time I was, uh, when I first started homeschooling, I started with uh, two that were in elementary and I had two toddlers. Um, and so I was just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get all this done? Now, uh, what situation were you in? I know you have how many kids? I have seven children. Seven. But when we started, we had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a three-month-old. Okay. So I was mostly starting with just, which is easier, I think. So I just had one that was technically doing academics. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, I pulled the three-year-old in alongside. That way, she was involved with what we were doing and part of homeschool instead of wrecking the instead house. Instead of yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, and it's never like go play. We're doing school, or we did a lot of school during her nap time. A oh lot. yeah, just like you know, ten or twenty-minute phonics lesson and math lesson because I had a five-year-old. But little by little, we added the next one, and if you're training your older ones to work independently as you go, then by the time the uh, child number two gets to the point where they need one-on-one phonics teaching, child number one can do something on their own and they know how to occupy themselves without making a wreck of the house Mm -hmm. or their room. And uh, most of the time we we did a lot of things together, but little by little we trained them to work independently. 
so that we could get more accomplished. Right. In the same amount of time. I didn't want the school day to get longer and longer and longer. Because you had more students. <laughs> yes. it, yeah, I felt the same way. Um, because you still have to make dinner and you uh -huh. still have other household duties that you need to, yep. to take care of. And... Yeah. So um, what was your first, um, the first step you took to figuring out how you were going to map out your day with kids of multi-grade uh, levels? Multi-levels. Well, let's say, let's just take the, at the most, I think I had six to juggle all at once because there are like 16 years or so between the oldest and the youngest. Mm -hmm. So what I did was sit down and look at what lessons and activities and subjects we had mm -hmm. and then... Uh, decide what they could do independently and what needed one-on-one. -on -one. And, of course, the younger ones always need more one-on-one -on -one than the older ones. Sure. And so I just would map it out on a spreadsheet, basically, who needed me, who needed all my attention, and how I could spread my attention out through You were the so day. organized. I didn't, <laughs> I I didn't really map mine out that well. I just... Um, I just knew that the younger kids, if I if I filled their bucket first, yes. Um, while the older kids were doing something they could do, maybe practicing their penmanship or um, I'm trying to think what they did when they were in uh, second and kinder, but they had ind some independent mm -hmm. things they could do. While I was doing little uh, reading books and doing little preschool activities with the the two youngest ones when I first started out, but I didn't, I never had a spreadsheet. I, I wish I had. That sounds brilliant. Tell me I how that do, worked. Well, I didn't do that until that year that suddenly I had six people to juggle. And um, the older one basically did all of their work independently. They were high school by that time. Oh, sure. They but should be working independently. I did assign them some, you know, chunks of time to work with the baby or go watch the baby or do puzzles with this one or things like that. It really, I don't think I followed the schedule that I created, but it did serve to show me that it could be done oh yeah that was the main thing can is this even possible and it was and some days flowed really smoothly and some days things happened and we just did what we could and the rest got rolled over to the next day but um i did use the routine that i mapped out so that the older ones would know when it was their turn mm -hmm. to watch the toddler or play with the baby, and when were they ideally supposed to be doing math or language or history? And we always started, or I always started out with the younger one, like you said, and they got their lessons done. And then I would still give them some assignments that they were really playing. They mm -hmm. just go play with the blocks, and you know, if you finish with the blocks, what would you like to do next? And I had a list of activities that we had on the shelves, so I'd make sure to rotate through things so they always had something interesting to do. Yes, that's really important. I also had a um, a toy or activity rotation. So, for example, on Monday, the little kids could play with, say, the Lincoln Logs. But they didn't get to see the Lincoln Logs again until the next week. So it was real fresh and it was real oh, exciting for them. Idea. Yes. Um, and I also had a little, I had a little snack time built in to the morning. Um, and I thought it was going to be just for the younger kids, but you know, everybody had decided they had to eat a snack and actually it was really good because it prevented that mid morning, um, slump yes. where you had cranky students who didn't want to do their work. Everybody just, we just took a break. They had a little snack. They went out in the backyard and played for about 10 minutes, a little recess. Um, I had a cup of tea or coffee. Then we regrouped and went back to it, um, and that really helped us to have a more productive day. 
Oh, that's a perfect idea. It's also a good time to switch the laundry or get a little yes, exactly. task done <laughs> and um, a good break in the day. And then they're visiting with each other and forming good relationships. All that's really important, too. And not everybody's separated doing different school subjects. They come together, reconnect, and then I guess it makes it more of a family-style learning Yes, and I think that's important, too, is that um, for good socialization, you have to be able to get along with people of different age groups. So when you have, uh, for example, you had your own little one-room schoolhouse with your seven children, I had mine with my first five children, they had an opportunity to learn how to interact with people who were younger and older than they were themselves. And I think that gave them all really good people skills as they became um, teenagers and, and into adulthood. So um, you were talking about you mapped out the courses to look and see who needed one-on-one and who could work independently. Um, What else did you do to manage multi-age, multi-grade students? Well, let's see. Um, For one thing, we did a lot of, we started a lot of subjects together. Like we would do our history study together or our Bible study together. And if we had arts and crafts that went with our history, we would do those kind of things together. Sometimes branched off to different um, levels that they were able to do, but we were doing those things together. Well, you know, we did uh, similar things as well. We, um, I like the Charlotte Mason style of education. So we have a, an artist that we study for 12 weeks and we have a composer that we study for 12 weeks. So everybody can listen to the composer, whether they're old enough to really appreciate it or not. And I'm still doing that with my seven-year-old now. We listen to a composer and sometimes he's into it and sometimes he isn't, but it's not age-related. Right. Um, So we did those kind of things. We we did our Bible together. And then I could discuss in more um, detail with the older kids certain aspects of the things that we did. Um, Science projects, the younger kids could observe the older kid doing a science experiment, and maybe they didn't understand the concept, but it, like you said, it kept them engaged mm-hmm. with what was going on instead of them going into a room and dumping out a whole bottle of shampoo, <laughs> which uh, which also has happened, um, I have to be honest, that that's just part of life when you have a bunch of kids and you're busy doing something. But trying to keep the younger ones engaged in what you're doing is a big help, and also it teaches them when they get older they're ready to do school or they want to do school. So you don't have as hard of a job as when you first began with your first student. And also the little guys are listening and watching. And even if you're discussing some thing about um, your composer or your artist, they're listening and they become familiar with those terms. And I think you're just creating hooks for later learning. Oh, definitely. Yes. I I had my two oldest children tested when they were in third and fifth grade because I, I wasn't sure, I wasn't confident in my abilities, um, and I wanted to see what they had learned. And they did come out on the test as I expected for their reading, their writing, their math, but what I was very surprised to find out is the things they had learned that I hadn't directly taught them. And so um, your younger kids are learning a lot just being in that atmosphere of hearing you read aloud to the older right. children or being able to observe um, experiments or listen to conversations that are going on around them. So um, that makes your homeschooling really more effective. Were there any 
particular curriculum that you curricula that you found was helpful for teaching multi-age students? Oh, well, we did a lot of unit studies. Unit so studies. we used Konos, but I also used other things that I found or things that I created myself. And that would be the backbone of our history most of the time. And then um, most of the other academic subjects such as math or spelling or reading, each one of the children tracked along at their ability level. So we didn't do a lot of multi-level kind of teaching with them, except that sometimes I would have the older children dictate words for the younger ones to spell, or they would help them with spelling, or they would help them with math. So we, it turned into a multi-level kind of thing in that way. And then even our science that you mentioned before, when someone was doing an experiment, everything stopped and everybody went to watch it, which also gave the opportunity for the child doing the experiment to explain what was going on to the rest of us. And I felt like that really helped them to understand what they were doing better. Oh, definitely. When you, when you have to teach something to someone else or explain it, it really cements your learning. Yes, so I think that's a super effective uh, really strategy. And then we also found, since we stuck with the same science curriculum, curriculum we used Apologia for a number of years, when one of the younger ones would get to that experiment, they would, oh, I remember when so-and-so did this. Is this what they were doing? Is this why they were doing that experiment? It's like, I have no idea. They just thought it was so much fun. <laughs> so it was something that they looked forward to. It's definitely really rewarding and also somewhat challenging to have a one-room schoolhouse. Um, but you do learn so many skills. And I think when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about some of the things, um, practical things that we could do to set up for multi-age learning. Good idea. Our podcast is sponsored by Transcript Maker. It's an online service that allows you to create professional transcripts from the comfort of your own home. How did you first find out about Transcript Maker? Well, you know, my oldest student was um, a junior in high school, and I thought, my goodness, I need to create a transcript. So I started doing an internet search, and I found Transcript Maker, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is the answer to my prayers. And I signed up right away. Oh man, it would have been so helpful to know about that back when I was cutting and pasting and using a typewriter and oh my goodness, picking, putting I, one together. I can't imagine having <laughs> tried to do that. Uh, did you create transcripts for everybody, whether or not they were going into college or not? Because I think everybody needs one. Oh, yes. Everyone got a transcript regardless of what they were doing. My oldest um, student, um, he did not go to college, but he did go to work right away out of high school. And, of course, they wanted a transcript. So I was happy to be able to provide him one that looked professional, and it was so easy to do. That's what I love about Transcript Maker. It's got a template, a basic template, and you just fill in information and it calculates the grade point average for you and it um, has a field where you put in your students' information. So if you wouldn't know what to put in, it already gives you prompts to help you to put that correct information in. So it's, I can't recommend it highly enough. I've used it for every student. I tell people about it all the time because it's a time saver and the one thing you don't want to do when you're creating uh, transcripts for your homeschool student is look obviously like a homeschool. Oh, you don't want to stick out and be different. Right. Because colleges don't know what to do with you if you're weird. They're, <laughs> you know, right. They're, they're used to a certain to seeing a certain format. 
So if you present them something that makes sense, it makes it much easier for them to work with your student's application and understand what your student's been doing. So that's one other reason I love it so much is because it looks like what colleges are used to seeing. So if you have a transcript format in, in mind, did that help you when you were planning courses to outline what you were going to cover? Or That's another great feature about Transcript Maker. You can put different course statuses in so you can plug in proposed courses uh, for future planning. And, you can, and it has a credit summary where you can put how many credits in each subject that you want your student to achieve. And then you can keep track of how they're doing it, getting those credits earned. So they have completed the credits you required them to complete for graduation. Oh, that's it, awesome. it's, a, it's a great tool, great time saver, great for planning, great for getting a transcript done in relatively short amount of time. I can't say enough about it. You can go to www.transcriptmaker.com to get a 14-day free, absolutely no obligation trial of Transcript Maker which I think is extremely generous. A lot of um, other companies, if you want to get a trial, they make you put in your credit card information right away, which I find personally kind of horrifying. Uh -huh. But we don't, uh, we don't have to do that with Transcript Maker. Transcript Maker, simply better transcripts. Alrighty, so we were gonna be talking about the resources and things we found to be most helpful in managing multi-age, multi-grade students. And so, Melody, do you have anything that particularly you uh, really found to be useful in that respect that you wanted to share with us? I think the one of the most helpful things we did was we had our central homeschooling spot, which for us was the kitchen table. And then our homeschool uh, supplies were all organized. They had a central location, too. Everybody knew how to put things away and get things out. And so we would... Um, come together and then sometimes the older ones if they needed a quieter space without too many people talking to them might take their algebra to their room to mm -hmm. work on it in there but there were often subjects with the older children that I needed to be on hand for in case they had a question about how to do something so we spent a lot of time homeschooling together even though we were doing separate activities we just learned to work alongside each other and I would have within reach things to keep the younger ones occupied. So quiet things, though, because you can't. Legos are great, but they're noisy. Mm -hmm. So we pulled out things like Play-Doh or lacing cards or um, tracing activities or colors or things that they could do right there. Because I needed to keep an eye on that two-year-old. Sometimes I'd use a baby gate to keep them in the room where I was so right. they didn't wander off and, you know, undo too much of the, of the house. Um, so that was helpful that we learned to work alongside. They also had were able to learn to work with some distractions, like how That's to tune important. things out and just keep going. Did you find the same thing true? Yes. Um, it's kind of funny because my husband is a writer. Um, he writes articles about gardening, and he always says, well, I need quiet to write. And I think, oh, that's mm -hmm. hilarious. I had to learn to do everything with a hubbub of children around me. And so I think it is important to be able to learn to work with distraction because where in our lives are we going to be when we have no distraction? Uh, uh, the world never, is, really yeah, never. Yeah. The world is a, a noisy place and we've got to be able to learn to focus on what we have to do. Now, of course, for some of our students, maybe they have 
a little um, ADD or something, mm-hmm. they might need a little more help or a, a little more quiet place. But then that's also part of teaching people to compensate for um, their own issues. Right. But I agree with you when you were saying uh, getting things organized. One of the best things I ever did for teaching multi-age groups was to get a set of those plastic organizing drawers. Oh, I love those. And labeling everything. And then having a central location for our our school supplies and our, our school books. I would take some time at the end of every day to go through and organize for the next day and make a little note um, if we were going to be using Legos or we're going to be using Play-Doh, whatever it was, getting those things ready. So when the kids woke up, I wasn't scrambling to catch up with them. I was ready to give them breakfast and we were ready to get our day started. And I think that's really the the most crucial part of teaching multi-age groups. Or even now I have only one student that I'm homeschooling but if I don't take time to get stuff ready the night before, when we get up in the morning, we're already behind. Oh, right. And so if you, the, and the more kids you have, the more organization you need to incorporate. And that might be hard for someone who's more of a casual homeschooler, right. um, like a Wiggly Wilma. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some months back we talked about learning styles. So if Wiggly Wilma doesn't make sense, you might want to go back and, and listen to the episodes about learning styles but some people aren't really thrilled with organization however organization gives you the freedom to be more relaxed and that sounds like a contrast but it really it's haven't true. you found that, oh, that it's makes true sense? i think you can be more spontaneous if you're organized because for one thing you know which things are essential that need to get done and which things might if they need to drop off it's okay because you know you're hitting the most important activities mm-hmm but I did find being organized and also just getting up and being ready before the kids woke up. That was a hard one sometimes because I had one of those children that would wake up with the sun or before the sun. And so it was important for me to be up before they got uh, that way. I was pulling them into my day right? instead of being, you know, right, right away. They're in your face right demanding away. something. <laughs> and then we all had like after breakfast, we do school. That was just the family routine. And right. in between doing school, that also for some of times, like somebody might be washing dishes while I was working with the little one to learn to read. Or we incorporated household tasks into the day. It was part of the, that's part of life, practical skills. Right. And yes. then everybody had a plastic file folder, you know, those portable file folder boxes with their papers and things in there so they would just get their boxes and we'd come to the table or go outside or wherever we were going to have school but that way we could get get right to work and um we all we often had like we knew we had an, an ending time there was an end point to the day because I couldn't just keep on homeschooling all day long that is such an important <laughs> point and I tell other homeschoolers that there was a time um once when one of my children asked me to spell a word and I said, oh, you can go get the dictionary or whatever. And they said, can you be my mom and just spell the word? <laughs> and I realized at that point, you know, we need to have an end to our school day. Right. Um, and that helps us to be more efficient when we know we've got to get so many things done by the certain amount of time. That time pressure gives us the opportunity to meet those deadlines. And that's another good skill that people need to have is that things have to be done at a certain time. When you go into the workplace, and if you have a project deadline and you don't meet it, 
the consequences mm-hmm. can be disastrous. Nobody's happy. And one time is not as good as another. Exactly. So we had, um, that was part of that whole planning. Map out for the year. We'd like to get this much done this year. If you get off track, then you can make up it on make it up on Saturday or it's going to roll over and your year's going to drag on longer because we want to be, we want to finish and be able to take a break without any kind of, I don't know, guilt or worry that we're not getting everything done that we had planned. Right. It's it's stressful to feel like you have things hanging over you. Right. It's it's hard to relax at that point when you realize, oh, there's this amount of work that's undone. Yes, I wanted to enjoy homeschooling and I wanted the kiddos to enjoy learning and so planning and being organized was a help to make that happen. I agree. I also found that it was helpful to have, like you said earlier, choose a curriculum that is more friendly to your whole lifestyle as a, a family with kids of multi-ages and right. multi-grades. I started out with a Becca, which was a very sound curriculum, but it was it's set up more for a school situation. Mm-hmm. So after we homeschooled using a Becca for a few years, I felt like I was drowning in paper and I just couldn't. I just couldn't get excited about that. So I went to unit studies as well for a time. And that made everybody so much happier. And then from unit studies, um, I went into Charlotte Mason, Mm -hmm. which has been a great fit for our family. And it's very, uh, I would say it's very multi-learning style friendly. It is. Because you have a lot of hands-on things. You have a lot of getting outdoors, which is good for your kids that are active. So for for a multi-age setting, that worked extremely well for us. But it's certainly not a one-size-fits-all. Based on each person's family, each person's children, your, if you're working uh, at home or you have to work outside of the home, you know, you're going to maybe find something that fits you differently. But the important part is, is to know that there are many different curricula out there that offer the opportunity to fold multi-ages together. Right, and I think that's something to take into consideration when you're choosing what you want to use. You can make anything work, but some things are going to take more time to figure out how to make it work. And if you need to save time, it helps to pick a curriculum that's already geared toward multi-level groups of, of kids and families. So, It also might save you some money. Yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know any homeschool family who isn't um, looking for places where they can spend their dollars more efficiently. So that's a that's an important consideration. I also found that when I was working with multi-age settings, like you said, we, we'd work with our younger students first, we would get the older kids involved, that a lot of times giving the kids chores to do like you said, during right. the school day was a really good way to get things rolling and get new skills. For example, sorting laundry is actually a classification skill and it's a math skill. And um, organizing things into different groups or colors. And sometimes we think, oh, we're not getting anything done, but really we are. And so looking at the activities we're doing with an eye to what other things are we learning from this other than getting the laundry washed or putting away the silverware uh, makes you feel a little bit better about what you're teaching your kids. Right. 
they're learning those are good life skills that they need and it might be helpful to think of or mention some of the things that you did have your children do independent activities I find that some moms can't think of enough activities to keep everybody productively engaged while they're working with a younger one I know we did like you mentioned laundry was one and uh, for many years, we had a clothesline, so hanging out the laundry was another task that kept somebody uh, productively occupied. But what were some other things that you had your kiddos do? Well, my oldest daughter loved to bake. In fact, if she was in a bad mood um, and I gave her the opportunity to bake brownies or cookies, it it changed her mood. And there's a lot of math skills in baking. So I would um, allow her to bake. We always had a snack time every day at 3 o'clock. So oh, I would, we did too. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a that's just a homeschool, you know, tea that time. That was the end of our day, too. Right? Get that, snack time at 3, get everything done. So it was also a good carrot. They knew it was coming. Let's get finished. Right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So I, I would let my daughter do uh, the baking, bake a snack. Um, in the morning before school began, while I was making breakfast, because when you have five kids, you're certainly not opening a box of cereal. Mm, yeah. uh, so I always made a breakfast, and so the kids would do chores in the morning. Someone had the bathroom to clean. Someone maybe was picking up the living room. Another person might be putting away the dishes. And so there were, uh, there were tasks that had to be performed before school began. And then they, they got their tasks done, they were dressed, we ate breakfast, and we went right into school. And um, to keep the kids busy at other times, there were certain books they could get out. They could get out uh, a dot-to-dot -dot book, or they could oh, do puzzles. Yes. I had a lot of puzzles. They could, uh, I would put down a, um, oh, you know, like one of those plastic tablecloths on the floor? Yes. And I would give the little kids Q-tips and paint with water, and they could paint with water. <laughs> Or I would send them out in the backyard, the little ones with a paintbrush and a bucket of water, and they could paint the house or the fence. We did that. Or a spray bottle of water mm -hmm. and a, a cloth. And cleaning. They were cleaning all kinds of things. Oh, <laughs> yes. I think the, the front of my TV was so clean because mm. I put a little Windex on and a little three-year-old would go wipe the TV. But giving the little kids um, physical things to do is really important, not only because it helps them to have something to do and it tires them, but as you get older... And preparation for reading, those physical tasks, actually, the large muscle movements actually prepare the body they for sure reading. And, and we need to remember that that's really way more important than having your little three-year-old sit down and do a worksheet. Very much so. So um, basically, multi-age teaching is really not as hard as you might think once you realize all the ways you can do it and how beneficial it is for your kids to learn to work with distractions, to learn to help little people, right, or to teach somebody else what they've already learned. And, mm -hmm. and to have someone to practice reading to. Oh, yes, that one that is was excellent. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and sometimes if one of the older ones is watching two of the younger ones, then they're learning how to help people get along, which is another good skill. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. They they learn a lot more than what's just in the curriculum, and I think that is really where true learning takes place. Absolutely. Well, um, I think we've exhausted a lot of the information we wanted to share today about how to teach multi-age and multi-grade levels. And now normally, at the end of our podcast, we take some questions and examine some questions we got from our readers. So, Melody, I know you had some some questions 
why don't you uh, share with us a, a question or two, and we'll we'll answer them. Okay. One of the anonymous questions that I received was, how do I teach subjects I stink at? Oh, man, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I feel like it's not impossible to teach subjects you're not good at. You just have to find resources that will right. kind of fill in your gaps. Find the resources. You can learn right alongside your kiddos. That's true. Um, but some people have perhaps a math phobia. They don't feel like they can do Algebra 1 or they didn't have a good experience the first time around. So another option is always finding classes, co-op classes or a one-day enrichment program or somebody somewhere that loves that subject so much that they want to teach other people's children. And then that is one way. But um, I know I've been asked, what, what are you going to do about chemistry or what do I do about... Uh, I don't know, physics or calculus or any of those things that maybe... Those hard maths those and sciences <laughs> are the ones people usually ask but about. I found a good... If you find a good curriculum that walks you toward those subjects all the way through and it's a good fit for you, that's one good option. There are online classes. Yes, and Khan Academy is a great resource. Wonderful. It we use them videos a and Yeah. I did not take chemistry in high school, so when my um, two daughter, my middle daughter, my younger youngest daughter were coming up to where they needed to take those courses, they took them from other teachers. And, you know, it was really fun for me to be able to say to them, well, you know, I can't help you with that. You're going to have to talk to your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you cannot be the be-all and end-all, but you can homeschool successfully all the way through high school by utilizing resources that can teach what you can't teach. You sure can. And then the added benefit is that you're teaching your children how to find resources to yes. learn Learning. whatever they need to know. Yep, because we all have gaps we're going to have to fill in no yeah. matter where we've been educated. That's true. I found, and you can also, I found a really good biology that incorporated art for my youngest daughter. She is all wow. about art. And so she learned and remembered so much more from that. It was fascinating, and we all learned right along with her because she was producing these really interesting pieces of art about the human body, and she remembered what she learned, and I was so excited wow. about that. Wow, that so, sounds um, cool. You definitely can teach subjects that you stink at. Yep, you <laughs> sure can. Well, let's take one more question. Okay, I had um, Michelle asked, what do I do if I fall behind? Oh, well... You know, that's a good question, and she sounds like a perfect Paula. I think she might be. Perfect Paulas are always worried about schedules and, and getting things done, and, and I'm kind of like that, but I've also learned that um, we don't have anybody's schedule but our own. Exactly. So um, I might have something that I think I want to get done. For example, last week, I wasn't um, at home to do school on Friday. I unexpectedly wasn't home. And so I just did a little extra on Monday to catch up. And I still checked off Friday as if we'd done Friday because it was all Friday's work. Right. But it was, uh, we don't we don't have to report to anyone. So fall behind is kind of a subjective idea, I think. What do you think about that? I think so. I don't, you might fall behind your ideal plan. But as long as you keep moving forward, you are going to uh, keep learning. And I know one year we decided to play with schooling all through the year instead of just 180 days all jammed together. And by the next calendar year, we had done well over the 
180 or 200 lessons, and we had had the freedom to stop for emergencies or life events or take a day off here or if someone got sick or if we had unexpected company um, and just keep schooling and learning in a more relaxed manner. So I never felt like we were behind that year because we had such, we had the whole year to accomplish our Oh, I can see how that year. would take the pressure off. And it was great. We still had, I mean, we live in Texas where sometimes it is too hot to play outside. So summertime, we could take advantage of cooler temperatures inside and just keep on doing some lessons and then use those really nice stays in the spring or the fall for our um, outdoor activities. Oh, that's brilliant. feel guiltless about it. It's like nobody's schedule but our own. I think the main takeaway that year was just keep moving forward. Just keep going. That's brilliant. I like that because it just gives you that calm, peaceful feeling instead of feeling like somebody's hanging over you and cracking a whip for you to get some stuff done. (laughs) Well, that is awesome. And I surely like that idea. I I have not done a whole year, year year-round school because... um, my birthday is at the end of May, and I always like to take off then. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot to consider, and I might even try that. That's a great question. Thanks. Was that Michelle? That was Michelle. Thanks, Michelle, for, for giving us that question to answer. I know a lot of people are going to find this information useful. And we hope um, everything we talked about today has been helpful. So I'm Holly. And I'm Melody. Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Holly Williams-Urbach. Thank you for listening to Beyond Transcripts, a transcript maker production. My co-host is Melody Gillum. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our music is by the great Pangolin. You can find her music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins.